Anna here. This is Yakuma Podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. I'm laughing because I want to know how did you find out about this podcast? <laughs> well, I found out about this podcast because I think I was trying to find the Castle Milk Furniture Project contact for a friend of mine that was asking for something. Yeah. And then I saw your podcast on the website, so I clicked on that and um, started listening. And as soon as I started listening, it just felt like the the stuff you were talking about was just really different to what I'd heard people talk about before. Yeah. And I think because I used to work in the refugee sector, and so I think the way that I was used to talking to people was a very different way. You know, it's not casual. People probably aren't really saying what they think to me. Yeah. So it was really different. And then I emailed you, and then we met on Zoom the first time. Oh, yes, I remember. I was like... Who's this person? Is it from home office or something? <laughs> <laughs> then I remember. You were a bit suspicious. Of course. Uh, not about, yeah. Then I was like, no, I know her. I was like, hmm, cool. So, but anyway, yes, uh, I like that. Thank you for finding us because I think that's very important anyway. And build up this, um, yeah, networking now. Yeah. And become yeah, good friends and stuff. But yeah, still questions for you as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I interview, but my questions are simple. I think the first one is like, Actually, you worked with some refugees, um, networks and projects or charities and stuff like that. What was the challenging, most the most challenging thing for you? Never mind hearing their uh, suffering stories, but in general. Um, I think the most challenging thing for me was um, the ways in which the sector didn't work well and yeah. that I felt like it could work a lot better than it did. And that I often felt like we weren't really, as a sector as a whole, weren't really, you know, pressing the most important issues. Um, and we weren't really taking a strong enough position against Mears or the Home Office, uh, Glasgow City Council. Um, and I found the, the, although towards the end of me working there, I was working collaboratively with a lot more organisations. I think yeah. I did feel like there could be more collaborative working and that it's a shame that organisations are kind of divided and that it's difficult to work together. That's a good one because for me, a little bit, I agree with you because um, I used to be a service user or can say a service user, Salam mm -hmm. Seka refugee. Wow, well, we don't have a right to speak. Everyone always speak for our, of ourselves. No one, yeah. You go in the office, they just ask you exactly what they've done, then you're out. Yeah, yeah. So, I think this is the purpose of me at the podcast talking to you and the, the people lived experience. So to together these two sides together. Yeah. So the world can understand that where the points are missed. But again, I I think you interviewed me, I talk a lot about stuff anyway. So <laughs> Well, I was just gonna say the first time the first time we met on Zoom mm -hmm. and like you were saying you were maybe a bit suspicious of me and you had a lot of questions for me the first time we met. Yeah. That was like Basically, who are you? Why should I talk to you? <laughs> like, what do you want? Like, explain yourself to me. And that was quite uncomfortable for me, but it was good because I suppose I hadn't, I hadn't had to answer those questions in that way before. And then I guess as we were saying, because I worked for the third sector, um, you know, you're not meeting with people in that way where they get to ask you a lot of questions. You're just like, you know, what's your issue? Tell me about your issue. I'll tell you how I can help you. Yeah. 
and so you're just meeting in that way. So now you know how difficult it is. Like, <laughs> you get asked a lot like, of questions. Yeah, like, you have no home, you have no money, you have no rights. You have yeah. nothing but you have to deal with two hours interview in home office, for example. Yeah. Then you come back and you go, these people, oh, you think you should trust, they also ask the food. But I think today is about you, actually. It's got nothing to do with me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get away with it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because I think, like, we talk about, like, um, for me personally, I think, so my question would be like, kind of like, I wanted to, to get to my, sh- not my own shoes only, but I mean like, to be in the shoes of all these refugees and asylum seekers, which is, how does, how does it infect you, like, at that time when I work in the, on, and other people as well, do you think they're really infected about how our stories go around to them, like, or they're just going because they have to go to work and do your work well? I mean... I think a lot of like I think that's why I got into that work and I think it is why a lot of people get into that work and then I think there is also like it's a job and you get paid for it so I think both are going on at once and I think you do get very affected by stuff and I have been very affected by things but I think it's still like the way that we're meeting each other is not entirely equal when you're meeting someone and they're a service user and you're a charity or whatever, it's not a totally equal meeting. Um, And you're not, in a way you're not meeting each other as like people. It's like your service user and charity or whatever. But I think definitely people really care uh, and want to do the right thing. But I think people feel quite limited by their roles by like what they can do. And then also you do get trained a lot in having boundaries mm. and like making sure you don't take the work home with you and that like there is a limit to what you can do. So there is that as well. Yep. The other thing I think for me, I always wanted to hear from you because in my podcast, I always said I'll bring service users and service providers on this because that's, that, I know you're ex maybe service yeah. provider, but you still got uh, uh, the, the knowledge and experience for me it's like mm, I think this one is very sensitive I always ask this and I'm scared as well in case <laughs> it's gonna make some people uncomfortable but it's true because I always worried about how these charities and projects actually function uh, as especially in Glasgow that's what I'm talking about yeah do you think there's a computation between these yeah I mean like between everyone who's trying to help Mandy, I'm going to get to the point. I think funding yeah. is always a problem, isn't it? Yeah, I think it definitely is a problem. And I think, like, although I think people would not want to talk about it like that to say yeah. it's competition, I think it is. Because in when you're applying for funding, it's really difficult. And the, the charity that I worked at in particular had a really hard time getting funding. Mm. And, you know, that does present a lot of difficulties because, like, people's jobs are on the line and that's, exactly. that's serious. But the way that you are supposed to think about funding is that you have to show like why your organization is unique and like why this service is really needed. And quite often funders won't fund uh, existing service. So you have to create new services for funding and they won't um, fund what they call core work. So, you know, just like the day to day stuff funders don't like to fund that and that's often I think also why you get these like trends in funding like gardening projects or cooking projects and I think maybe we've spoken about this before I think funders can be quite conservative 
And so there's these like nice projects yeah, nice, like yeah, yeah. gardening and cooking and they make everyone feel good and like mm. refugees doing art and which I'm not saying you shouldn't have, but mm. I think there's more critical issues. So I think organizations effectively are in competition with each other because they want to show that they're unique and they have this brand that funders are gonna uh, like. And so they have to define themselves against other charities for that reason. Yes, it's very interesting though, because like for me, um, as I said, she's seen me exactly what you're saying, maybe much more of bigger picture that there's, I know the stress comes from the Westminster, I know. I mean, I think things could be made better and I know it is happening already that charities are working collaboratively together but to work collaboratively together more and I think if charities were all to take more radical um, uh, positions against the Home Office and MIRS together um, they would be a bigger force um, because you know there's safety in numbers yeah. and I think also Whilst I think a lot of the the things about, you know, boundaries and, and being clear about like what you can achieve for someone in your work, because there are limitations to how much you can help someone who is in the system because of the system. But yeah, like trying to think of people more as people, not as victims, for, yeah. for their for them to be able to influence the services more, um, to be in positions of decision making and power would definitely be a good thing. I think the other thing I was like to ask about what's called employability. In like, for example, I think we've spoken about this before, like imagine a volunteer and... I think it's really difficult because I think people will need support in their roles sometimes, but I think people should be able to give that. And I think maybe the, the work that asylum seekers and refugees Jews are doing when they're volunteering maybe needs to be more recognized because mm. I think people because asylum seekers aren't allowed to work legally mm. they have to volunteer but that is still work and maybe if we considered it like it it is work Seriously. then that would go more of the way towards affecting that and yeah like if you had someone within the organization that had been employed for seven years and mm. they applied for a post they would obviously be in a better position maybe than a, or they'd have certain advantages from an external candidate. Well, I was, yeah, that's, I agree with you very well on that one, fully, um, everything we've spoken about. For me, I'm just like, oh, I think there's something more to be done on that, actually. Like, for example, if you ask me, like, what, what as you said, I want to be recognized, I want to be like, you're yeah, seen as a person, not like as a victim is waiting to get a, a human right to be a human, already a human. It's yeah, like yeah. confusing, you know I mean? And like, well, yeah, I think I think people live the experience. That's the point I was trying to say. People live the experience. They should actually be given opportunities to, to run these uh, sectors, charities, manage it and stuff. Because man, if someone talked to me about what happened in Sudan, for example, even I'm not from Sudan, that picture, I can feel it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But see, I'm not saying people born in this country shouldn't. Man, they've done a wonderful job. Let's be honest. Like, in in our countries, we don't have these people like who can actually give up their lives and help you for nothing. Mm -hmm. So there's a positivity. But again, let's don't rely 
like let the, the wrong things pass because there's a positivity more yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's something need to be spoken about. We can't even look. For me, I've been in Glasgow since 2010. I can tell some charities and projects, they're taking a piece. You know what I mean? They do. They do yeah. take a piece. You know, um, that need to be told. Like, come on, guys. We can see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of talk in the sector about people with lived experience influencing things, but I think the reality is not that I think there's a lot more work to do in that respect. Yeah. And yeah, there needs to be the people with lived experience, I think, involved in the design of services a lot yeah. more, like how you approach people, how you talk to people. Um, I've spoken to other people that have talked before about feeling like you just get used as an interpreter a lot of the time, um, which is like not the skill that they wanted to, well, they already have the skill because it's the language. That's not what they wanted to learn um, when they came. Things yeah. like this. I think we're going to maybe close up with a 